99.5% of the population doesn't have access to good fixed income products. Let's use technology and data to change that. And so that was the genesis of Yield Street. Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is FreshBooks, the easy to use cloud accounting software. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Hey bosses, just a quick note before we start this week's show. Johnny and I are currently hosting a fundraiser to build five playgrounds in Cambodia in 2018. We will personally be there installing them next January, and we'd really love your support. For the next month of June, every new review that Invest Like a Boss gets, we're going to personally donate $10 to the charity and fundraiser, and we're also going to give you a personal shout out. So if you want to support this charity, please just take the two minutes to log into iTunes and leave us a review. It will help support the show, and most importantly, it will go directly to contributing the five amazing playgrounds to these underprivileged and beautiful kids in Cambodia next year. As always, thank you guys for your support. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 59 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Sam Marks. Hi guys, we got a great episode lined up for you this week. We have on the CEO of Yield Street, Milan Meher. And Johnny, you know that alternative asset investing is a really, really popular class right now. And Yield Street has some awesome and new classes that we haven't covered yet. So I'm really excited to get Milan on and to explore some of these. Yeah, I am really, really excited. So this is almost like the level leveling up of some of the other types of marketplaces where they just offer secured real estate loans. So actually, I would say this is like level three going up. So like mm. the base level would be non-clatterized peer-to-peer lending. So things like Lending Club, where you know we are peer-to-peer lending, which was a great concept five or ten years ago. But as Sam and I have both experienced, that when there is no collateral, we can get screwed as investors and either not make the returns we were expecting or maybe even lose money. The next step up was real estate backed peer to peer, um, I don't want to say peer to peer lending, but some, some kind of alternative investment where that, you know, we have the first lien on the piece of real estate if we can back, mm-hmm. um, when we invest. And I feel like Yield Street is level three where they do offer some packages with real estate, but they have a host of other clatterized types of investments that I'm really, really excited about. Yeah, same. I think everyone's going to find these really interesting. And again, these are types of classes we'll get into in the episode that previously only institutional investors had access to, hedge funds, high net worth individuals that were well connected. And now through the marketplace, they're bringing liquidity to some of these these different types of asset classes and giving people, first-time investors, access to these that they never had before. So there's a few of these that were really, really interesting to me, which is one of the reasons we were really pumped to, to reach out to Yield Street and get Milland on. And I think everyone will find out Milland's a super smart guy, very successful in his previous history as an entrepreneur, and really exciting stuff that he's bringing to this platform. Yeah, definitely. And just kind of, you know, real quick, just go over the categories that are on their site right now. There's uh, things under commercial, which are things like ride-sharing fleet expansion that you can start uh, paying, uh, you can invest into. Uh, things like 
in the consumer industry where you can actually invest in something to do with the NBA, you know, which I kind of hope yeah. you guys talk about, uh, legal things where they call them diversified pre-settlement portfolios where basically mm-hmm. you loan out money now and you get money as the funds settle. And then there's also real estate. So I'm excited because I have been looking for something that isn't tied to the real estate market or the stock market. And I think this might be it. So let's have on this week's guest. Hey bosses, if you're a freelancer or a small business owner, you need to check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. I've used them personally and love how easy it was to set up both reoccurring expenses and invoices that automatically send out so you can get paid on time without wasting your time. So what does that actually mean? That means that if you're like me and you hate going in every single month to fill out spreadsheets or submit expenses and you just often forget about it and have to deal with a huge mess down the road, you can just do it once and have it all set up automatically. Even better, you can do the same for sending out invoices to get paid on time without even thinking about it. To help you get started, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did he hear about us section everybody welcome back milan thank you so much for joining us on the show thank you for having me it's a pleasure absolutely i'm really excited for this episode because you guys are doing some really really interesting stuff with alternative asset classes and it's really the first time that we've talked about a lot of this stuff so it's it's really just great to have you on the show and um where are you calling in from? I believe the East Coast. Yeah, I'm calling in from New York City. Lovely place. Even yes. this, especially this time of year, you guys finally get to put on the short sleeve stuff occasionally. That's correct. The weather actually has been great in the last uh, couple of days here. Good to hear. Yeah. Well, I really want to dive into this stuff because I have so many questions. But Milan, I know you have a, a super impressive background. I was hoping you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit of that and kind of your founding vision for Yield Street. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pleasure. So uh, my background, I've uh, always been in the tech space, a tech entrepreneur. So prior to Yield Street, uh, I co-founded a company called Yodel. It was a marketing platform for small businesses. Think of us as a CMO in a box for small businesses. So we built a website for them and then essentially drove traffic uh, to that website from a variety of online uh, sources. And the idea and the genesis for that business was in 2006, uh, believe it or not, Facebook and Google were very, very small and there was no iPhone 7. So uh, to find a small business was quite a challenge. And uh, the Yellow Pages, the good old Yellow Pages was still an $18.5 billion industry. And so, yeah. And so we said, listen, we have to uh, help small businesses and in the process, we may be able to take some market share. So uh, over the next 10 years, we build this ad tech platform um, that uh, we scale to about uh, uh, over 200 million in revenue. And, uh, and last year, we, uh, uh, we were acquired by web.com. So it was a super interesting project. Um, so yeah, and before that, I was always in, in tech startups. And um, so the idea for uh, Yield Street uh, was really... Coming from, you know, all my background, right? So on one side, I was this ad tech uh, founder where everything was programmatic, automation, data. And uh, on the other side, I was also an investor. So as I became successful, um, I wanted to invest money because I was already overexposed to the stock market. I had a 401k plan, ETFs, um, um, and uh, 529 plans. And I wanted to look at 
you know, fixed income products that would generate passive income and nothing existed uh, in the in the market. So this was the, the idea was in the back of my mind for Yield Street from like 2010, 2011, as I saw my 401k balances plunge in 2008, 2009. And I said, there has to be a better way to invest in non-correlated assets. And uh, so that opportunity came to me uh, about three years ago when I met my co-founders and uh, they came from investment risk management background uh, and had spent collectively over 30 years in the alternative specialty finance uh, area. And their big problem was they could never access retail investors like me who wanted to put in small checks, but wanted to invest in a lot of different deals. And I wanted to invest in institutional quality deals, not your cousin doing a deal or buying a property or your uncle starting a new business. (laughs) (laughs) Not Not those type of things, right? And so it was really kind of a perfect harmony where kind of tech and finance came together. And obviously, as you know, you guys have been covering a lot of interesting companies in the online uh, lending space and in the marketplace lending space, uh, that it's a massive market opportunity. And our missions were aligned where we said, listen, investment and wealth management is broken. 99.5% of the population doesn't have access to good fixed income products. Let's use technology and data to change that. And so that was the genesis of Yield Street. Love it. And that's an incredible stat. 995 or, or so don't have access to these type of investments. And I think even you know previously, even if you were a super high net worth individual where you might have access to this stuff, it was still difficult to find it, right? Unless you had a lot of ins and networks Correct. and people pointing you in the right direction. And like you right. said, it was also from the other side, people that, that were looking for investment had, had trouble finding these, these individuals until platform like Yield Street. That's exactly right. And that was exactly the, sh- uh, the, the shoes that I was in where, you know, luckily I, I was, I'm in New York and I have friends and network that have access to these type of things. But again, my interests were not aligned with the deal that I was doing because if the deal was good, they expect me, expected me to put high six figures, seven figures, which I didn't want to do. The minimums were too high. Mm-hmm. And if the deal was not great, they would take my, you know, $50,000 uh, and and so I think uh, there was no way to judge or access who these operators were, what was their track record, you know, uh, an institutional way to buy it. And I think that's really what we're trying to change with the Street. Emilin, back to something you said previously that you, you termed it non-correlated assets or non-correlated investments. What specifically does that mean? Yeah, so simply what non-correlated means is generally uh, when you're thinking about investments, what happens is that if investments kind of follow the broader economic cycle or the equity market cycle, that means they're correlated to the market. Okay. So, uh, so you know, if, if the market goes down, the investments goes down, right? And so all of your uh, equity products like your 401k plan or your retail stocks or your ETFs or your mutual funds, all of them move with the market. And so what you want to do as an investor is have investments in things that uh, will not be impacted if the market were to go down. And so you always have that balance, right? So, for example, people say uh, gold uh, is uh, is something that is uh, that moves. It's not non-correlated, but it moves with the market, right? So if the market goes down, kind of gold goes up, right? Uh, so so that's the way to think about it. Makes sense. So not all of your money and emotions are on the roller coaster of the equity markets. That's correct. <laughs> and 
I guess just as kind of the foundation of Yield Street, just to make sure everybody understands, there's a lot of different asset classes, which are, is great and also very, very interesting. And all of those asset classes in these offers are backed and collateralized by some type of underlying asset, correct? That is correct. We uh, either have tangible or intangible assets backing this uh, loans. Wonderful. And I took a quick look and looked into some of the different asset classes and some of the offers on the platform. And it looked like some of the, the, the durations and investment terms were between one and three years. Is that correct? Or is there any, is there any uh, outside or inside range of that? Yeah, so we generally try to uh, keep it under three years. We don't have any deal on the platform that's over three years. So you are correct that it's always under three years. We have done deals as uh, short as three months. Wow. Okay. And uh, so that, that one year term is really interesting. I know to a lot of people, our listeners, we're always looking for some type of instrument that we can invest for 12 months and make more than a typical bank CD. So having that 12-month term on Yield Street is awesome. What are some of the different types of offers or asset classes that fall into that shorter duration of 12 months? Yeah, so most of the deals uh, that we do in the real estate asset classes uh, are are in the 12-month range. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to, uh, to make a point to your listeners, right, uh, you have covered uh, some very good real estate platforms in the past. I think what, when we think about real estate, we do a very specific type of uh, real estate loans. These are always debt-based or, or for most part debt-based investments and it's hard money loans or bridge loans. So that is the reason why the terms are... Uh, typically shorter. So they could be between six and 18 months. I'll give you an example of a hard money loan. So we recently last month actually completed a $4.6 million commercial loan portfolio. And uh, this uh, portfolio consisted of two loans. Loan A was a triple net lease supported by a national drugstore chain. And the second loan was to a healthcare facility. And in both the cases, the borrowers were extreme uh, experienced borrowers in their asset classes. So for the healthcare facility, the borrower uh, has deep real estate and healthcare investment background, mm-hmm. and he has nationwide, uh, you know, uh, properties. He operates over 2,500 beds uh, in various capacities, such as skilled nurses, uh, nursing, and assisted living, and things like that. So the next question you may ask is that why are they so low in terms of duration? And the answer to that is hard money real estate market or bridge loan market is typically that where experienced operators are looking for a quick uh, win. And so sometimes if properties are in foreclosure or they have any issues, they want to immediately buy it. And many times, you know, they're looking for uh, timing is of a sense. So they're looking for somebody to finance them quickly so that they can buy it, take possession of it. And many times they're all cash deals, right? And uh, so in the course of six months or nine months, they will go for conventional or traditional bank financing and take out the uh, the bridge loan uh, lender or mm. the hard money lender, right? And that is really the opportunities that we think are super interesting. I think, um, again, as I, as I explained, right, like this was a very interesting opportunity where you got to participate with two very experienced real estate operators and uh, with fantastic collateral. And so I think... Uh, we, you know, we are excited about these type of offerings. And being debt in structure, those are the safest types of loans that you could give in, in real estate at the top of the capital stack, correct? That is correct. So I would not 
when whenever i hear investments and safest <laughs> as an investor myself and as as a founder of an investment platform right see listen every investment including apple stock uh, in which i have by the way personally lost a lot of money is <laughs> is is just a matter of timing right and you have to assess it accordingly right so uh but but to uh, in all seriousness to answer your question yes you're absolutely right debt investors are you know generally senior secured in the in the repayment stack and they are the first people to get paid if uh, you know whether whether you're servicing the debt or if something goes wrong and you have to foreclose or go into bankruptcy they are the first ones to get paid and then come the mes lenders and and other investors and then the last ones are the equity investors so you are right absolutely gotcha. gotcha i saw a term uh used on yield street which i really liked and it was called rolling maturities and i think we've we've talked about this subject before but we've never said it so eloquently as rolling maturities i think we always say uh the investments are laddered or or or, or, or some other you know loose term around that but yeah. the general premise of this is that Let's say you're investing in Yield Street and you maybe you have uh, invested in five different deals and they're between one and three years. And maybe you're, you continue to put that money in as the principal and, and interest come back to you. Then you should the, – the concept is that you'll always have some money coming due, some type of liquidity coming due in, in pretty regular frequencies, correct? That is correct. Like that. Yep. And I guess that's that, – is that a strategy that you personally – you know, like to try to put in place with your own investments and one that you recommend in utilizing the platform? Yeah, so that's that's really a good question and that's a great uh, observation. So, uh, yeah, I think the concept came from generally, obviously, I use the platform myself and, uh, you know, uh, and I have many, many investments. I, I think close to my, maybe 20, 20, little over 20 investments on the platform. And so I thought, how would I invest, right? And so for me, what it really meant was uh, to go back to my earlier point, um, with regards to the, the starting of the business, I wanted diversity in forms of uh, being able to put my capital small amounts in many, many deals, right? And that amount obviously is varied by who you are and what your investment outlook and expectation is. And uh, so what we said is that, listen, you got to give people ability to pick the type of yield that they want, the asset classes that they want, and the duration. And so, as I said earlier, you know, we have durations from three months to three years. And so, the idea was that as one investment matures, others will be open on the platform. And so, you can constantly get in and out of investments, reduce your risk because you're getting liquidity, but at the same time, build confidence that the platform works. And so, you can, you know, put more money as one investment matures and go into the next one, right? So you're reducing the timing risk. Uh, you're, you know, kind of shielding yourself from broad economic changes because like, let's say market tanks and you need money and now you have three investments that are coming due. Uh, that's really great because then you're going to get liquidity, especially uh, as as you have covered in some of your past podcasts, right? Like a lot of the online um, lending platforms and crowdfunding platforms are, are illiquid uh, in nature in terms of the, the types of investments that they offer. So we thought that this was a very uh, important concept for us to educate our, our investor base on and at the same time offer those type of concepts to our to our investors. I love that concept and strategy. And, and with you mentioning that you have invested in through the platform in almost 20 different deals, that just kind of raised a, a great idea in my head of I would love to be able to potentially invest, say, like in a syndicate 
or behind you in deals. Is that something that would ever be planned for the future? Any type of syndicate where a lead investor and people could kind of just jump on and follow? Yeah, that's definitely on our product roadmap. All right. And, yeah, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, it's definitely on our roadmap. Obviously, it's uh, it's similar to you know how AngelList kind of successfully modeled that concept. Right. And and you know I think for us why that is relevant is that people around the country who don't have access to uh, investors would get access to them, right? And so whether it's me or you know actually to be honest with you, there are amazing investors on our platform, much better and much smarter than I am. And and you would like if you look at their profiles, you would say, oh, my God, this guy, he's investing on Yield Street. Why is he investing on Yield Street? He is like he should have all the access in the world. Mm-hmm. And so uh, but but, you know, I think that's really where we feel that it could be very valuable at the at the at the heart of Yield Street. Right. We want to build this investor community, if you will. Right. If you remember, you know, our parents or our grandparents, like they would always rely on their close network of friends and family and experts to kind of figure out like, hey, what's the great strategy? And if you look at how the whole investment world has you know, evolved in the last 20 years, though technology has really advanced, it has siloed people. Like, when is the last time you went out for your for dinner with your friends and said, hey, buddy, what are you what are you investing on? Right. Or what is it that you're investing on? You're talking about the hottest restaurant, the hottest vacation spot, the fastest car, the, 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 the nicest purse that you can buy your significant other, but not about actually making money. These are all conversation about losing money, but not about making money. Right. And so for <laughs> us, <laughs> for us, it is all about. Like, hey, can we can we create this investor community where people can come together and learn from each other, right? And so I think you will see some aspect of that coming out on the platform in the next few uh, next few months. But also you will see this concept of a syndicate where uh, you know we are already socializing this with some of our uh, you know really uh, experienced investors whether they would be interested in such a concept. And and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it would be immensely valuable to people who generally would not have access to, to, to such leaders who are experienced investors, you know. Milan, isn't this great that investing is actually starting to get interesting to talk talk about at, a, at the dinner table with some friends? Like, you know, traditionally, it just seemed like such a boring concept. And that's, of course, one of the, the core concepts of the podcast is that with, mo- with, with the modern age and technology, this stuff is actually pretty exciting to, to discover and talk about. Yeah, listen, I... I, you may call me a geek, but <laughs> I love it. Like I am listening to Planet Money and I'm listening to all this investment podcast. And by the way, I downloaded your podcast. So it's going to be my running companion in the coming weeks. I like it. And, and, and I love what you guys are doing because it is so important to talk about these things. And I think it's, it's one thing for a big, you know, top five bank to roll out emotional ads about retirement and financial planning and stuff like that. But it is the same old products that are correlated to the market. And nobody's really talking about like opening up access and nobody's talking about why financial planning is so important. And if you look at, and sorry, I get really passionate about these things, right? I mean, if you look at any stats, like you look at baby boomers and the amount of money that they have saved, it is disturbing, right? And and so I think it's very important that all of us talk about the importance of financial planning, financial well-being, uh, ex- you know, especially because you know your your life expectancy has gone up significantly in the last twenty years, right? Yeah. And if you are going to live till 85, 90, you need a good twenty twenty five year cushion, 
And how are you going to get that if you are not thinking about it in your 20s and 30s? Because when you're in your 50s, it's too late, you know. And, and so, so I think, I, think I, I thank you personally for, for kind of driving that mission of, you know, invest like a pro, invest like a boss, because that's super important. Invest like Millen, for sure. I've, I've heard that the number one fear in the world used to be public speaking. And now that's been outplaced with the number one fear in the world being people are afraid of outliving their money. And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm only 32, but I could see that. And I can see that in my parents and, and my grandma, that that is a really, really scary thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, listen, one of the reasons to start that was I was concerned and I, I'm a, I'm a fairly successful guy and, and I was concerned that, oh my God, in 20, 25 years, when I want runway for 30 years, like, am I going to have enough? Right. And, and that was a nagging question in my mind for several years before I actually uh, decided to do something about it and kind of use my expertise and background and my co-founders uh, expertise and background to see if we could make uh, make a small uh, contribution to it. Very cool. So I just want to cover a few of the categories that I find so interesting on Yield Street. So I, I know there might be more, but a few of them that kind of pop out to my head uh, when I was browsing the site, there's legal, there's consumer kind of peer-to-peer style stuff, uh, there's real estate, and then there's commercial. Are those kind of the four pillars of, of the different types of offers on the platform? Yeah, that pretty much covers it. Absolutely. So two that I'm like consumer, peer-to-peer. So we, we've invested in a couple of them, but not not through Yield Street, uh, through Lending Club, which is unsecured yeah. and it's overall been a um, not a, a, a very good experience. So how do you guys do it on through Yield Street? where there's an act, what's collateralized? What's that process? Okay, let me talk about actually two loans uh, or two examples that might be interesting to your uh, listeners, right? So when you talk about pure consumer, right? So we generally, one thing you have to understand about Yield Street is that we never generally do one or two loans, unlike many platforms out there. Generally, anything that you find on our website will be a portfolio in itself, right? But I'm actually going to make an, in the two examples I'm going to talk about, one is actually a single loan and then one is a portfolio. So on, on, the, on the consumer side, we actually financed an NBA player about two years ago. In fact, his loan should be maturing like, you know, within the next month or two. And so that is one of the rare examples when we actually financed one party. Uh, generally, we don't do that. But it's very interesting, right? And why did why did we do that? Um, it's because, uh, you know, generally this person was playing in one of the Eastern Conference teams and uh, people would uh, worry that why would NBA players need money? I mean, you would be surprised. A lot of them come do not come from a very... Uh, they come from an underprivileged background. Their credit histories are not great. So they don't get loans, right? And in this case... Uh, you know, he wanted um, uh, a loan of about two hundred thousand dollars, and uh, so he came to us. and And uh, basically, the way to underwrite that type of a thing is that we uh, it was guaranteed against his uh, contract, but the guaranteed portion of the contract. So no matter what happened, he would get that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing also important was that the team had decided to pay him that guaranteed portion over a two-year period. So that's when we structured the deal that way. But in very simplistic terms, right, what you need to worry about really is four things in, in kind of athlete financing. It's debt, 
disability, dishonor, and walk off. Like those are the four risks, right? Mm-hmm. So walk off risk, we were generally comfortable. The, the athlete was under 25 and we thought that he's not going to walk off. He's going to maximize his earning potential. Uh, death, disability, and dishonor. We actually have a Lloyd's, uh, 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 Lloyd's uh, insurance policy on that. So if any of those things happen, our investors would, would get paid and things like that. And then we set up something, uh, you know, we use UCC1 as well as we set up a lockbox account whereby the NBA, uh, player, NBA Players Association would pay into the lockbox, we would sweep the, the the principal and interest due to our investors and then sweep the rest of the money uh, to the athlete. And, and so that's really uh, is a very fascinating example where we feel that that consumer risk, and though it was only a single party, we were very comfortable taking. And as I said, like that deal has uh, uh, gone on for a little over two years and should be maturing in the next month or two. I wonder if you guys will become the, the de facto place for uh, NBA players to come to get loans. So actually, interestingly, my my co-founder, Michael, had one of the biggest books uh, during the 2011 uh, NBA lockout. You know, he had like almost close to 50 million out to a variety of different players where they were out of work. But, you know, he they, again, the same process. Right. What's the collateral behind it? And and he were you know, he would give portion. So in this case, we gave 10 percent of the outstanding contract value uh, as loan and which was good for him. You know, you don't want to give too much loan because then you know, they have to pay too much interest on it. And if he didn't need that, so he only took the money that he needed. So, so again, that's very, where you know, it's the whole concept of LTV, right? You keep LTV low. So here, so, so I think that's very interesting. Obviously we, uh, we haven't done many of those simply because of kind of scale issue, right? Like we want to do them, but you know, if they are very small, then, then it just becomes challenging for us. Yeah. But we will absolutely have a lookout for that. Very cool. So I see that a lot of a lot of the stuff that's that's either recently closed or available on Yield Street is legal. Kind of falls in in with law firm financing and some of the other ones I saw were diversified pre settlement portfolio things of that nature. Yeah. So can you expand on those? Those to me are, are super interesting. And what you also said previously that it's not actually just one loan to one borrower. It's actually a fund, and here it's termed portfolio. I think that's that's awesome because that that should inevitably diversify your risk even further. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And so uh, I think this uh, this may be interesting to the listeners, where you know a litigation finance is not something that has been uh, uh, you know broadly been available to to investors. And so I'll explain uh, what it really means. It's really it has actually a couple of different sub niches, and uh, you know. Uh, what you see on our platform generally is in three categories. So the first one is pre-settlement finance. So these are portfolios of plaintiff cases, right? So for example, let's say a messenger is going down uh, a New York street and get hit by a taxi. Now he is injured and out of work and he has life needs. So if he settles immediately, the insurance company may give him $20,000. But if he waits for the legal process to complete, uh, which may take six to nine months or a year, he may get $100,000, which is what is rightfully owned to him, right? And so what happens is that there are legal funding companies who will give him some advance, usually 10 to 15%, that will help him short-term take care of his life needs. So in his case, he might get an advance of 10 to $15,000. And then once the legal process completes, he will get his, whatever, $60,000, dollars and then repay the funding company. So what we do is we take such cases and aggregate them into a portfolio. So it could be anywhere from 50 cases to 300 cases or 500 cases. And we put that in a portfolio 
And that's what you're investing in. So these are already cases that have been funded by the funding company and, and they've been serviced by them. And not only that, they are cross-collateralized, meaning you don't really have to worry about if few of the cases are lost or go to trial and stuff like that doesn't really matter because our investors get a fixed coupon of whatever is the percentage associated with the deal. So let's say it's 13% or 12%. That's what you would get paid first and and your principal interest gets paid back first so that's uh, that's i think very interesting this is the most innovative product that is out there in the market and we are you know the, the pioneers to to bringing this to the market we're also doing tons of we're using data science and machine learning to kind of create this portfolio so we are very excited about that so the process is becoming more and more automated where we can really understand what are the different factors that constitute a good portfolio, right? And so there should be a diversity in, you know, all the different case types. So the case types could be slip and fall, auto accidents, the worker comp, whatever maybe the different types of cases, right? Medical malpractice or, or you know, it could be, um, you know, some product defects and things like that. Uh, they, they have to be from different jurisdictions. They have different obligors. So the obligors obviously, or the defendants in this case could be, uh, pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, local governments or municipalities or whatever may be the case, law firms representing the, the plaintiffs. Uh, so there are a variety of different things. So we can imagine each of these create millions of data points that we want to optimize on to build, build, a, build a portfolio that can provide a certain level of yield within a certain time frame. So, so I think we are super excited about that. And then, so that's the first type within litigation finance. The second type is post-settlement funding. And what that means is that the say, uh, case is already settled. So uh, uh, not to talk too much about sports, but, you know, for example, uh, uh, a pertinent example is the NFL uh, concussion cases, right? As, as we all know, there was a big settlement uh, for over a billion dollars, and that's almost about a year ago. But a lot of the players have not see, uh, still seen that money, right? Uh, because it takes a lot of time uh, for the legal process to play out and, uh, for the paperwork to get done and stuff like that. So in post-settlement funding, what happens is that in anticipation of a, of a settlement that has already occurred, these funding companies can give you advance. Again, a portion of your settlement. So if you are expected to get $100,000, you may get a, you know advance of ten to $20,000. That will just help you with, uh, uh, with again, your, your, your daily life needs. And then the last one, which uh, which you will see, is also law firm financing, and and this is typically done where you're financing law firms. As you may know, many of them work on contingency basis, and uh, to work out a complex litigation, they need to uh, they need to work expert witnesses, prepare the case, and take it to. Uh, take it through completion. So, so many times they will finance uh, because if they are very confident, they will they will seek financing tied to the outcome of the case. And so, I think um, you know we have done a few of those in the past as well. Wow, this is incredibly interesting. You really do learn something new every single day. I had no idea that there that there was this niche. Uh, I mean, before Yield Street, was this all done through private investing networks to finance this stuff, or through banks? Yeah, so surprisingly, uh, it was done by hedge funds and banks, mm -hmm. and obviously private investment networks. But you know, litigation finance is a is a huge industry, and you know, again, it has two sides to it, right? Like you know, a lot of times you're holding big companies accountable against smaller consumers, right? But then there are different types of litigation in terms of you know uh, 
things that go wrong or like you know fraud malpractice many different types right yeah so so you're right it was done by hedge funds and banks and and by private uh, networks and so we are trying to uh, you know bring that out to more uh, more main street from wall street and Milan, for all these things, are these all deals that are coming into Yield Street, or do you have teams that go out and source these types of opportunities for you? Uh, great question. So I have spent actually zero dollars uh, since we started in sourcing these deals. So I think uh, most of them have come uh, inbound through our founder network, as well as they come through our inbound through our website and things like that. So we have looked at over $700 million in investments and you know funded just a, a little over $100 million. So it's about 12% acceptance rate. So up until now, it has been mostly through our networks. We have a pretty strong and robust pipeline of deals that we look at. And uh, again, the idea here is uh, our founding team is very strong. They have tons of experience in the asset-based lending, ABL space, as well as specialty finance space. And so we've been very fortunate to be able to get access to these type of things. But one of the things you have to remember is we're also getting access to data. So as we are reviewing these deals, our data set is becoming stronger and stronger, which I think is going to be extremely valuable and a competitive advantage for us. Uh, as we develop, you know, intelligence around that data set. Wow. I was checking out the site like a week ago, and I noticed that it seemed like some of the investments were filling up in a matter of hours, if not minutes, because I was checking some things, and then I was checking back later, and they're already gone. Can you talk about a little bit of the investor demand where, you know, where you're seeing it and which type of, of deals and what the type of investor is? Yeah, absolutely. So, um so you know, as as as, as you may have noticed, like most like all of our investments are through retail investors. So all the money that we have actually uh, raised on the platform or funded the deals are all coming from uh, 100% retail investors. They are ac- accredited investors all the way to family offices. And for last two quarters, demand is reaching fever pitch. So uh, you know, we have closed, as you alluded to it, uh, you know, two to five million dollar investments in the matter of minutes. And uh, so we have over ten thousand investor signups from all fifty states. And uh, I think the the investor confidence is 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 really uh, something that is is humbling. I mean, we're very fortunate to be in that place where you know our investors, sixty six percent of them are in multiple investments, right? Seventy five percent of our investors have less than hundred thousand dollars invested on the platform. So it's a incredibly diverse investor group. Uh, the average portfolio size is very healthy, north of hundred and fifty k. Hundred and fifty k north yeah. of yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. And so there is a ton of interest. And I think, uh, you know, um, in fact, going back to uh, being, you know, sourcing and, and strict about it, right? If you are following the platform closely, you will see that most of the times, including unfortunately today when we are doing this podcast, there is not many deals. Actually, there is none open on the platform. And again, it is because we pre-fund all the deals, right? Which is, again, I think somewhat different from uh, many other marketplaces. So what we do is we pre-fund the deal on our balance sheet. And so obviously the deal flow currently is governed by the size of our balance sheet. And, uh, you know, so we have tons of deals in the pipeline, but we can only close some of them uh, based on our balance sheet. So I think that's really where, you know, we've seen that... um, uh, there is a lot of demand, investor demand, but you know we uh, we are again trying to make sure that we can have a a very good flow with regards to 
when we launch the deals and things like that because investors are are waiting for them. So when a deal closes in a matter of minutes or is funded in a matter of minutes, is that happen through some type of automated investing on the the investor profiles or do you send out an email and people just log in and boom, fund it really quickly? So right now it is happening when we actually send out a, a launch email and it goes like, you know, generally 24 to 48 hours in advance. And then we tell them that it's going to open at this time and all the materials go out so that they can review it. And so when the deal launches at uh, like, let's say three o'clock or something, then um, uh, and th- then investors come in and uh, the deal gets filled out. So that's the process. So just a note on that. And, and you brought up something which I want to comment on. So this is not really what we expect the investment experience to be because again we are not a flash sales site right we right. This, uh, this is this is serious uh, amount of money that people are putting in and it's a serious matter right investments are not to be taken lightly so our idea is that you know uh, in the coming weeks you should find five to eight to nine offerings always open on the platform that's number one. The number two thing is we are actually launching an auto invest product, which is uh, what you alluded to, where the idea is that instead of coming and picking one deal at a time, you set your criteria almost like a robo advisor, right? You So it will be a robo investor uh, uh, profile where you set your criteria, your yield requirements, your you know term or duration, your asset class. And then as the offerings get launched, it will get pre-allocated to auto-invest customers. And so that will be a much better customer experience as well. So those are the two things we are doing. And hopefully longer term, we won't have this type of a frenzy where, you know, people are, people are, I mean, we obviously want demand to be there, but we want people to kind of think about it, not get, you know, stressed that it's going to be gone and like, you know, mull over it, look at it, you know, talk to others, you know, and then invest. Yeah, That's you, all you want it to be exciting, but not that exciting. But, exactly. <laughs> and you, you termed uh, earlier, you said non-retail investors. I just want to make sure we understand that, right? So that would be anything that's non-institutional, like an individual or a small family office? Correct. Got it. And one other point you made, you said that the average account values were north of 150,000. Do you have any idea of how many investments that would be on average per portfolio? Yeah, so it's a little north of three, uh, three investments. Okay, cool. Investments, yeah. So 50K are kind of average investments. Approximately. That's but great. Also, yeah, but you have to also uh, actually uh, pay a no, uh, attention to one other stat, which is 75% of the portfolio is less than $100,000. So, you know, if you take the average for those guys, it's probably like $15,000, uh, $15, $20,000 per, per investment. Mm. So we see a lot of investors uh, dipping their uh, feet uh, or, or dipping their toes uh, to get their feet wet by making five, ten, twenty thousand dollar investments, mm-hmm. and I think that's the beauty, right, Sam, of the platform. This is what actually really excites me, right? So you know, we have deals where people are investing ten thousand dollars alongside with people who are writing seven figure checks and are sophisticated family office investors. Exact same terms, exact same time, like no difference. It's all automated. It's all through the platform. I think I think that's really. Uh, you know, a, a, a great step and a testament to kind of eventually how we want this platform to to become, uh, you know, more and more kind of retail friendly and 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 uh, uh, and more and more kind of get Main Street into the fold as we evolve. 
Milan, I know you're a technology guy and you must this a lot of this stuff must be exciting outside of investing, but developing the platform. I know on your page it says powered by technology, driven by expertise. Uh, how much of of your day to day is is working with technology and and working on that side of the business? I, I would say almost eighty to ninety percent of my day is focused on data and technology. Wow! So I'm I am very lucky to have my co-founder Michael Wise, who is our president and you know chief investment officer, and he is the guy who is really looking at all the underwriting and and uh, the the investment side of the business. And so I focus a lot on technology marketing. And and so as I was saying, it's really a great segue that you asked me this question because the reason why you're able to do this, Sam, is uh, because you we are, we are able to, again, like provide a platform where you are investing 10,000 along with somebody who's writing a $3 million check, you know, and, and you're participating in unbelievable deals that, you know, generally you would have never have access to. And the reason that that's possible is because you can launch and create the loan model and the entire distribution mechanism because technology allows you to do that, mm-hmm. right? So you can think about it, right? Like we have made 26,000 payments, okay, to thousands of people. We've returned over $40 million since we launched about since about two years ago, right? This would never be possible even for a big company like Blackstone or Apollo without a bunch of accountants and heavy investment in like, automating the whole process and things like that. Right. We have we have done 52 transactions. All of the loans are slightly different because that's what alternate investments does, right? Either there's a duration difference or interest gets paid monthly or maybe quarterly or it's at the end. It could be a little bit of a difference, but it doesn't matter. It's like the cap table is all different. In some deals, you have 20 people. In other deals, you have 90 people. And again, like it doesn't really matter because technology allows you to be able to do this seamlessly, right? Uh, loan engine makes that possible. Uh, we're also putting some uh, effort into uh, developing a risk engine. So as I alluded to you earlier, uh, with regards to the, the litigation finance portfolio, uh, we're using machine learning to really understand the historical performance of this industry for the last 15 years and create portfolios with outcome scores, right? And mm-hmm. so... A big portion of what we are set out to do is to kind of, there is this fragmented industry, right, where there are all these different funds that are funding all of these different loans. How can we aggregate this fragmented industry? And there is no other way to do that other than using technology, right? And there are so many small funds across the country that are great underwriters, right? They are great originators. Uh, And if we can aggregate them through data and like really understand how to underwrite them, then you know we are almost uh, become we become kind of this community bank network if you will but through a data driven approach right and uh, and and the way we are doing it for litigation finance we want to do it for receivables paper we want to do it for hard money you know uh, real estate industry and so i think that's really from a tech and data perspective uh, that is super super uh, interesting to us I think maybe the most impressive stat, at least from an outsider, that I can see is zero principal loss to investors. And I I know a lot of that has to be driven by technology and, and a good underwriting process. Is there anything else that goes into that? Into I'm sure that's important to maintain long term. I don't know if it's sustainable, but you know, so far you guys have had a fantastic track record. Uh, and that's a really, that's a, a, a stat that you should definitely be proud of. Is there anything else there that, that goes into kind of maintaining and, and protecting that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I I think our focus fundamentally, Sam, is always focus on what happens when the glass breaks, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think strict underwriting is is super important. And I alluded to to multiple different points. One is for in Q1, seventy percent of the time there was nothing open on the platform, though we have a hundred million dollar pipeline right now. And uh, the reason is we pre-fund deals. Like we could say, okay, for the next five deals, we're not pre-funding it because they're selling so fast. Like might as well put it on the platform, but that's not how it works, right? We we are very disciplined, right? We have a five-point investment philosophy. Number one, it has to be asset-based and non-correlated. So we look for that no matter what. Number two is it has to be uh, with an experienced asset management, right? So you know, your podcast is called Invest Like a Boss. You know, we say invest with a pro. So when you're doing a real estate deal, again, you don't want to do it with your cousin who is doing it part-time on the weekend. You want to do so the deal that's going to actually launch tomorrow or maybe, in fact, there are two deals that are launching in real estate this week, right? Mm-hmm. And and they are all with people who have done hundreds of millions or, or several billion dollars worth of, you know, real estate financing, have 30 years of track record and experience. So the borrowers know exactly what happens and 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 how to take care of it if there is a downturn if there is a problem all of that stuff so it's very important to invest with a pro right and and so that's uh, that's that's something that is uh, super important then we look for 8 to 20% target uh, you know yield mm-hmm. and uh, the lowest on our platform has been 9% and and then uh, you know we look for less than 3 years uh, duration so, so those are the those are the super important things that uh, that we think about every time. It doesn't matter how many deals we have opened or closed or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Like we have to make sure that those five points are are, are are met, and we use data and technology and our investment experience to to make sure that 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 happens. Beautiful. And going forward, is there any type of asset classes that you guys really are looking to expand into, or is it just first and foremost? get those checkpoints, those that criteria in line and whatever asset classes fall within that you're happy to, to move forward with? Yeah, I think that's a good way to characterize it. Like we, again, are, are, are taking a much more horizontal approach, which I think you will find, again, slightly different than overall kind of online lending marketplaces. And uh, the reason for that is we feel that, uh, you know, uh, alternate investments should be based on certain investment criteria and philosophy and not on an asset class right and and we want to we have expertise in a few asset classes which always will be strong so litigation finance as uh, is is one example of that but again i think it's driven more by making sure that assets are non-correlated and have a strong collateral right i mean that's uh, the main thing and the proven asset managers those are the three criteria that are super important to us and if you have a deal that will fit in that criteria we will Absolutely look at it. And we see very, very interesting deals uh, on our platform. We, in fact, have a small section on our platform called Anti-Portfolio. It's buried somewhere, but we try to share some of the deals that we don't do. (laughs) That's cool. On that that page. Man, I am envious of how much data and deal flow you guys would get to see on on a weekly basis. It just must... It must be unlimited knowledge that you can gain from analyzing and looking at, into so many different deals coming through the system and pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. Well, are there any limitations that outside of the, you know, the regular? I know people have to be accredited. Do people have to be U.S. citizens currently to invest in Yield Street? 
Yeah, I, right now it's only open to uh, U.S. Uh, citizens, uh, or, or rather not U.S. citizens, but you know U.S. residents with a social security number and accredited investors. Got it, Milan. I think that pretty much sums up the episode. I mean, that was uh, that was amazing, insightful. It's just there's just a whole new category of things that we've not explored. So, listeners, those are going to be links to all the information from Yield Street in the show notes. Definitely check it out when you have time. Milan, it's been really, really interesting. And uh, as an investor, it's, it's quite exciting as well. And we really appreciate you coming on and invest like a boss and sharing your time and knowledge with us. Thank you, Sam, for having me. And it was really exciting to chat with you. We'll hope to see you all as an investor. I will be there. Okay, excellent. Man, I'm really excited to to hop on and, and see what investments are on Yield Street right now. I was too. And I know I said I wasn't going to make any other investments this year, but I really liked what Millen had to say. And I, I just loved some of the new terminology we explored, non-correlated, rolling maturities. I just think what they're doing is, is pretty cool. And some of the asset classes that they're bringing, especially, I mean, I felt a little weird about investing in, uh, in litigation, in the legal stuff, but... It seems like it's a massive asset class that makes sense, right? And it's well collateralized. So I was really pumped to get into that, but I ended up investing in one of their real estate funds. So I'm, I'm curious. So actually, I was also really excited about the litigation funds. Not that I want to support that industry because I, I think, yeah, yeah, right. it's that's kind of a one of the downsides to the US, but I figure if it's happening anyways and it's a way it's something we can invest in and make our money back, I actually like that a lot. Especially because to be honest, I'm a little bit scared of the real estate I don't want to say bubble, but you know, whatever that is, whatever's happening with the real estate market. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and also the stock market being so correlated together that if one of them pops or we have a downturn in one, most likely it's gonna drag down the other one as well. And all my money is in either real estate or in stocks. So even though the buy and hold strategy is a good one and we could just wait it out and have it, you know, eventually come back up, I'd rather have some money in something like like Yield Street, where I know I'm gonna get my ten percent, you know, interest regardless of what's happening in the stock market or the real estate market. Yeah, that was that was mine as well. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Dude I've tried to invest in since the recording of this episode. I've tried to invest in five different new offers that they had coming out. I think four of them were in the litigation financing and pre-settlement financing. So the way that they they put the deals out, they if you log into their site, they'll say like upcoming offers, and then I think usually a day before, 24 hours before that offering is available, they'll email out and say this offering is going to be available at this date or this time tomorrow. And then when it goes live, the email out say it's now available. So I knew these things were selling out fast. So I set myself reminders like, okay, I need to be online at this time or whatever. I had everything set up with the account. So I get the email. Okay, prepare for it. Get the email that it's live. I log in. And by the time I log in, no more than like two or three minutes later, they're completely sold out. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like it can't possibly sell out that fast, right? Because there's no, there's no automated investing. So I can't imagine all these people are waiting around like with the, you know, just waiting for, to open up their account and, and buy in. So I emailed them after because I tried to get in four different offerings and uh, Midland actually wrote me back and was like, yeah, these, these sold out in under like 220 seconds, which is, I don't know, 
less than four minutes, right? So they have a, they have massive demand on these things. These are multi-million dollar funds that are being sold out in a matter of just you know basically two or three minutes. So a lot of demand. Obviously, a very interesting asset class to a lot of people. I unfortunately didn't get in any of those funds, but they came out with a real estate fund that I was that looked awesome. It was like forty percent loan to value. It was a little bit of a larger buy in. Uh, 18 months, I think 10% interest. Uh, so I got in that. And I'll tell you one really cool thing about their investments. It looks like it accrues daily. So every single, a lot of other ones just will show you what you've earned quarterly and pay out quarterly. I got paid out recently on this, but the cool thing is it accrues daily. So every single day I log in, I can see the amount that I've earned has gone up, which is, I kind of like that, right? Yeah, that's smart. Good to see those little differences. Yeah, definitely. Even if they just accrued monthly, it's it's still so much better than than having it do quarterly. Because quarterly, it's you know, it's hard. You know, I I try to calculate it monthly anyways, but it's an extra step. Uh, it doesn't look good. I understand why they pay out monthly, just because it's easier. I mean, quarterly because it's easier. But yeah. it is a nice touch to be able to see it. So I'm actually really, really happy that you asked me uh, about. The I don't want to say the the flash kind of sale you know hot ticket kind uh-huh. of um, system that they have right now and I'm really really happy that he said that is not their model and that's not what they're going to continue with and that this is just kind of a a temporary um, you know hiccup in the beginning and that by the time you know this episode um, you know people you know I don't know if you guys are listening to this this live as it comes out or like a week later but hopefully within a few weeks from now there's going to be a couple of deals out on the platform whenever you log in. And that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. And I know they're doing a lot more to scale. So right now, obviously, demand is outpacing supply. Uh, but Millen's, Millen's talked to me a little bit after the episode and also followed up with the email with some of the things that they're doing to scale this and to bring it to more investors. Uh, obviously, there's some big asset classes in there that we didn't really know existed before this episode. But when you think about it on the scale of even just the United States, those are some huge, huge asset classes. So if they can bring those, I mean, that's such a unique offering that's that only I've seen Yield Street have. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what other asset classes they will also bring in to the future. Yeah, definitely. And I I think maybe it was kind of a smart move on their part. I don't know if it was planned or not for it to sell out so quick, but it definitely gives it a bit of hype. You know, and people yeah. talk about it. People probably email their their close friends saying, Hey, you know, you gotta get in on this before they sell out. But I think long term wise, I'm glad they're they're not gonna have that anymore. I don't know how, exactly what they're gonna do to prevent that. Maybe just having more deals, uh, maybe having you know, like a bigger amount of funding up front. Or I think what they could do is, you know, what some of the other platforms do and just limit the maximum amount of money somebody can uh, can invest in any one deal. I wonder why it wouldn't be just more based on, you know, a, a natural supply and demand. So if, if it's filling up that fast, I mean, I don't want to make any suggestions. I don't think this would be, even be the goal, but wouldn't you think that the the interest rate or the deal could become less favorable just to, to balance out the supply? Or do you think it's more, it, it's better for them to, to, of course, keep the investors in mind, pay out a lot more and just bring more more offers to the table instead of trying to balance supply and demand on every single offer? Yeah, I, I think their current interest, which is about 10% for, for most deals, uh, is good. I think if they lowered that too much, people wouldn't be uh, very happy with it. They wouldn't jump on it as quick. Mm-hmm. I think... The only two things I can think of personally for them to do is either one is limit the total amount of money any one person can invest in any one deal. So let's say fifty grand or hundred grand, so instead of one person putting in a, putting in half a million or a million and just you know 
taking taking away half of the deal. Uh, or they can, instead of pre-funding it upfront, they can just have that process be, you know, crowd, you know, crowdfunded. But at the same time, you know, it sounds like they have our best interest in mind that they're doing this for a reason. So I'm just going to trust them. Uh, it, it is a little bit annoying that I can't get in on the deals I want. Uh, yeah. But hopefully all that will change in the next couple of weeks or months. So I, I encourage people just to at least sign up for the for, for account just so you can start looking to see what deals there are. Or just actually go in and look at the past deals. Uh, there's some really, really interesting ones that have ended that we can't invest in anymore. But I wish I could have. Yeah, here's an idea. If any, if any listeners out there – so this is something that I've been trying to think about since we've been – interviewing and exploring these new platforms and new asset classes. And it's the same thing that comes up kind of every single time. I'm looking at all these things and they all look good to me, right? I want to do them all, but it's the same thing. Like I don't, I don't do that deep of DD. I kind of look at the, you know, the cover sheet or whatever the, just the bullet point specs are. And I just kind of make a gut decision. I think most people that do this more regularly, they have a lot more, they're doing a lot more DD on these deals. So I think what's what's someone's going to put together soon, if not already, if any listeners are out there know someone that has, I think someone's going to pretty soon start putting together kind of a syndicate or a almost like a consultancy type like type of newsletter that some type of pro will go out and look at these, you know, 10 of these different platforms and will start vetting every single deal, right? And then you could subscribe to that person's newsletter or service because I'm I'm now a member of all these different platforms, right? And I want to do all these deals, but I don't have the time to go in and look at all these. But if I could get if I could get like a weekly update, like, hey, these four offerings are coming out on these different platforms this week. These are my favorite choices. Here's why. That is something I would find a ton of value from if I knew it was coming from someone like a, a med favor or someone that just a really smart guy that was analyzing these things on a deep level. Yeah, definitely. So if you guys do invest in things, please post it in the Boss Lounge and just let us know what you're investing in and why. Because we'd be really, really curious because I know a lot of our listeners are way more financially savvy than both Sam and I are. And you guys do a lot more due diligence than both of us. I'm <laughs> looking I'm looking at New Street and the one deal that I would have instantly clicked on uh, and put money in would have been the NBA deal that was under a consumer. This was... Basically, you are giving a $200,000 loan to an NBA player who has secured his a $2 million guaranteed contract. And kind of just by reading through this, it basically means you're going to give this player, you know, 200 grand up front, even though he's a new NBA player, he just got an NBA. And every month that he gets paid, we're going to get some of that back. And the kind of risk factors is if he dies or gets hurt, there's insurance that covers that. <laughs> and actually, yeah. even if he just walks off and he decides to quit and just, you know, for whatever reason, not um, play anymore, it is still guaranteed. So it looks awesome. You know, just, you know, just quickly looking here. I don't know anything about law or about um, how these, you know, how these contracts work with uh, professional players. But it just sounds so cool to me that I can own part of an NBA player's contract and be able to say that. Well, it's kind of like the last episode we did with Royalty Exchange. Just I think because you and I sort of came into alternative asset investing through Lending Club, where it is a totally unsecured, uncollateralized environment into these new collateralized, secured environments, everything feels a bit more, you know, I know Millen doesn't like to use the word safe, but 
if I think it's a fallacy, right? We like we're coming into these environments, so we feel safe, so we feel like we can do le less DD because okay, if, as long as the underwriting is correct, we should be okay, right? Uh, as long as the loan to value is is correct, you know, we should be okay unless there's some type of cataclysmic event. So it's something that I think you and I need to invest a little bit more time into. And again, if any listeners know, you know, so, so any type of syndicate or some type of pro out there that goes around and vets a lot of these deals on the platforms, something we would find a lot of value in. Yeah, definitely. And I think we are kind of doing our job by bringing attention to things like Yield Street. And then the kind of the, almost the, I don't want to say the job, but one of the things that I know, I know a lot of listeners who have more time or are smarter than, I, than us will do is they will go and dig deeper and do the due diligence and they'll let us know and say, Hey, you know, Johnny and Sam, you know, um, here's a link to something that, you know, here's a reason why you shouldn't be investing in XYZ. And that will kind of spread the war in the conversation. Yeah. So I will circle back around to Millen and Yield Street and see if, if I can post some of the details about the real estate offer that I invested in. Super cool. Like it a lot. I got paid out recently. Was it? four days ago, money straight to my bank and, you know, happy with the reporting, happy with the dashboard. I like the daily recruit. I think they can do the daily accrual because it's a, it's debt. So it's much easier to predict the earnings or calculate the earnings versus if it's equity, you're, you're just not really sure all the time. I think that it's, it's something you can do much better quarterly, but we'll share this and we'll share more details with yield street in the show notes and in the lounge. And if you guys are also investors, Please let us know what your feedback is. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that we kind of saved this episode uh, for after it all went through where you you had some time in your street. I made an account and I started looking <clears throat> looking around as well. And we didn't just you know jump straight into it um, right after we recorded it. And it's it's kind of cool. It's a, it's a good feeling. You are still – you are at the end of your walk in Ireland, right? Are you Where are you now? Finished, man. Day 25. Oh, congratulations. Finished. I didn't realize that. Yeah, finished yesterday. I'm exhausted. Um, it was a total of 467 kilometers over 20, 25 days of walking. So almost, what is that? 20, yeah, 20, about 20K a day. Um, wow. And how, how many miles would that be? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> only doing K. I like think that is 292 miles, almost 300 miles, buddy. It was an adventure, man. Met some great people. Mad respect for Ireland as a country. Wonderful people. I must have been approached by at least 200 dogs on the walk, and every one of them would come up and just give you kisses. Uh, so it shows a lot about the owners and the culture and the environment. Endless amounts of people offered us in for tea or for a ride. So really love this country. If you haven't had a chance to get to Ireland, definitely get there. It's a, a beautiful and, and almost magical place. Very, very cool. And I, I remember this, you know, it was the last time we spoke was right after I had left. And now I'm actually in leave Ukraine. So this is really cool that we're able to make money with our investments and make new investments and find out about new ones, even while being on, you know, opposite kind of ends of, of Europe right now. So big congrats to to you i'll i'll definitely have a, a shot of vodka for you tonight to celebrate well thanks buddy and thanks for your support on the trip and the walk and the charity of course it's been uh it's been a, a really cool month and looking forward to installing the playgrounds in 2018 with you in cambodia 
Yeah, so if you guys want to help, uh, we actually had a Boss Lounge member who suggested that every time someone leaves a review on the iTunes store and invest like a boss, he will donate $10 to the fund to, to match. Um, and so if you guys don't have the money or for whatever reason, uh, don't have the time to invest in the charity itself, but you still want to help out and build these playgrounds, please take a minute and leave a review on the iTunes store and we'll give you a shout out and 10 bucks will going towards a playground. Uh, if you guys want to check out Yield Street, it's just yieldstreet.com. Highly recommend you guys check that out. And I want to say big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast. We got a new one this week by Kwong, who says, worth the investment. Five stars. I can't think of a better use of an hour weekly than listening to this podcast and learning about the variety of ways to invest, many of which weren't available even five years ago. The guests are experts in the fields, and the hosts share their successes and often failures sorry, Sam, of their own investments. (laughs) (laughs) So we can learn from them. It's hands down the best financial podcast on modern investing for noobs and pros alike. Johnny, should we do a dedicated episode on my investment failures? Because I have six or seven that we've never even discussed on it. Oh my God, really? You know, I think I I just want to get them out. I want to get them out. I feel like they're just suffocating me. I need to get it out, throw them behind me and then make a big turnaround. I think that would be definitely a fun episode. It is also fun that we have these kind of as Easter eggs that kind of just randomly pop up <laughs> out of nowhere. But maybe we should do uh, an episode. You know what? It's just a rule of life. The more you travel, the more travel hiccups you're going to have. The more you invest, the more investment hiccups you're going to have. But hopefully over time, they become less per event or something like that, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, honestly, I've had my share fair as well. I, I think I kind of just try to forget about them. So maybe we'll, we will make that an episode. If you guys think that's a good idea, let us know in the boss lounge. Go to investlikeaboss.com, click on bonus, and you can join the boss lounge there. Uh, also, I want to give a big, big thanks to our new sponsor, FreshBooks. Check out freshbooks.com slash investlikeaboss to make your free account today. And when you make it, please let us let them know that you heard about them from Invest Like a Boss podcast. Thanks, guys, and I'll see all of you next week. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.